Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together this morning. The, the chance that we have to come and praise your name and, and to re- be reminded of your greatness and our, our smallness, our undeservedness. Lord, as we open up your word this morning, I pray that you would just teach each one of us, speak to our hearts, challenge us. And Lord, as I speak this morning, I pray that I may decrease and you may increase. I pray these things in your name. Amen. A flash of silver was all that Nettie remembered on that morning as she was heading to work. A car had swerved into her lane and had hit her car head on. With her right leg pinned between the the dashboard and the front seat, Nettie lay there agonising in and out of consciousness and, and it was almost an hour before the firefighters rescued her. In the emergency room she lay there and, and thinking that she was going to die she penned a, a goodbye letter to her son saying how proud she was of him and, and, and how much she loved him and how sad she was to leave him. Her injuries were extensive, requiring 10 hours of surgery. And and besides nearly losing her right foot, she had a a broken arm and a shattered heel. But things continued to get worse for Nettie. The 63-year-old woman who had caused the accident had a blood alcohol level over the legal limit. Her distress only increased upon learning that this driver only had minimal auto insurance and, and then Natty, Nettie would be lumped with the, the hefty medical bills. The last straw came when, when Nettie heard that she was going to be let go from her job. She said she was so depressed for the next six months all she could do was, was wake up, get her son off to, off to school in the morning and then spend the rest of the day sleeping. In August 2012, Nettie was in the courtroom when the driver who had caused the accident was sentenced to eight months jail. The woman looked so scared, she remembered. I couldn't imagine what was going through her head. Afterward, Nettie approached the public defender and said, please let your client know that I forgive her. Today, Nettie is learning to walk again and she looks forward to starting her job search soon. Every day I find something to be thankful for. She says, I couldn't feel that gratitude without forgiveness. It's a pretty heartwarming story, isn't it? Heart-wrenching even. The drink driver didn't deserve to be forgiven, did she? And yet... Nettie was able to forgive her. Totally undeserved forgiveness. And we're continuing our way through Deuteronomy. As we we continue this this journey through Deuteronomy, we see this perfect example of of God's favour on the undeserving Israelites. 
For more than 40 years, they tested God, disobeyed his commands, um, almost come to the brink of God wiping them out in the desert. And now we read that they're just about to go into the promised land. Just about to go into the promised land with God's favour and, and God going before them. Moses speaks with such optimism. He says, Hear, O Israel. Listen to the optimism in his voice. He's, he's excited about going into the, into the promised land. And they were just about to go over the Jordan, as he says. But these first couple of verses, verses um, 2 and 3, no, 1 and 2 it is, they wouldn't have filled you with much confidence or excitement. He says, they're about to go over the Jordan River, which would have been possibly in flood at the time. They were about to go to Jericho and, and many other cities like it, which, which would have had walls like this, fortified up to heaven. And they're not just full of, of people like you and I. They're full of huge people, strong people, tall people, the sons of Anakim, tall and great. If I was there in the, in the crowd in the Israelites, I'd be saying something like, Moses, you're not exactly selling this to us this morning. But he sells it to them with the, the good news that God was going to go before them. Look at verse 3. Know therefore today that he who goes over before you as a consuming fire is the Lord your God. He will destroy them and subdue them before you. So you shall drive them out and make them perish quickly as the Lord has promised you. Moses says this is what God is going to do. This is what the Lord your God, who is a consuming fire, is going to do before you. Now, last week, Bill gave us a great message about looking back and remembering what God has done for us. Moses told the Israelites that, that the, they should look back on the last 40 years and, and on the, the time before that where God has done great things for them. But now Moses is telling them to look forward to the good things that God was going to do. He says that God will go before you, he will destroy the people, he will subdue them and thrust them out of the land before you. God is a consuming fire. And he goes before you. So Moses tells them what they're going to face. He says, this isn't going to be easy. But God is going before you. I think it's a, a good practice to get into, to look back and remember all the good things that God has done for us whether that be the case of, of just looking back on the last 12 months as I've had the chance to do this week, or looking back on 35 years. I'm 36 this year. Um, 
or looking back on hundreds of years of the life of the church or looking back on thousands of years of, of the life of whatever the case may be. There's, there's opportunity for us to be able to look back and, and see God's provision, see God's timing right down to the last second at the perfect time, to see God's provision of, of different experiences of, of life experience that, that add to our life experience. And obviously the, the biggest opportunity the biggest event that we have to, to look back on in history is, of course, Jesus' life, death and resurrection. Similar to, similar to the Israelites going in to possess the land um, and, and with God going before them, throwing out their enemies, destroying their enemies, setting them free from their enemies, similar to that is, is what Jesus has done for us. He has gone before us, set us free from our greatest enemy, which is sin and the consequences of that. He's overcome death and, and allowed us by his grace to be called children of God. Isn't that awesome? So it's a good practice to look back on, on the things that God has done, particularly in this area of our spiritual lives. But it's also a good, good practice to look forward into the future and to, to thank God for the things that he promises to do. To look forward to the things that God has promised to do. And Moses is telling the people exactly that this week with Deuteronomy 8 and 9. He says, look forward to the good things that God is going to do. Moses says that that God is going to hand this promised land over to them. I think that God has has promised a, a, or handed us a bit of a promised land as well, hasn't he? In the fact that we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, that's somewhat of a promised land. Peace with God, freedom from our enemies. That's what we have in Jesus Christ. That's what we have with with Jesus' death and resurrection this morning. But here's the kicker. This peace with God is totally undeserved. Completely undeserved. None of us have deserved to have Jesus Christ be our saviour. None of us have done anything or or can do anything to earn this favour. It's completely undeserved. Romans 3.10 says, No one is righteous. No, not one. No one seeks God. So none of us did anything or can do anything or have done anything that can deserve this favour. None of us were righteous in God's eyes at any time. And this is similar to what Moses says to the Israelites. Thanks, Joe, for reading this morning. You've, you've 
perfectly put the, the right emphasis on the right spot that I wanted you to. Look at verse 4 through to 6, and I'll read this a couple of times. Moses says, Do not say in your heart, After the Lord your God has thrust them out before you, it is because of my righteousness. You can see Moses saying, Do not stand there with your fingernails against your chest, saying, It is because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me in to possess this land, whereas it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. Not because of your righteousness or the upright of your heart are you going in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. And that he also may confirm the word that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. Know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. For you are a stubborn people. How many times does Moses have to say it's not because of their righteousness? The main reason that Moses was was saying this was that in biblical times there was somewhat of an idea or a concept of, of war being the arbiter of judgment. And there's, there's three big words there, I know. But the, the dishing out of judgment, that war would, would decide who is righteous and who is not. Obviously the victors would be the righteous ones. But the losers were just the losers. And they were clearly the opposite. So Moses is saying, just because you will win, or God will win this battle before you, and you will, put, you will take possession of this land, don't think for one second that it's because of your righteousness. It's because of God's faithfulness. It's because of the wickedness of these nations. It's because of, the, of God's faithfulness to the promises that he made to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. Don't be forgetting how stubborn you are. So this wind and, win and, and this possession of the promised land is totally undeserved for the Israelites. They were a stubborn people and they clearly didn't deserve God's favour upon them. And yet for the sake of his name and his reputation, he allowed them in to take possession of this promised land. It was for the sake of the, the covenant that God had made ages ago with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob that he was going to let them come in and take possession of this land. And clearly, if we look down deep inside our hearts, the same can be said in our situation this morning. We have been saved not because of our righteousness, 
we've been saved and given peace with God, not because of our righteousness. didn't deserve to be saved. We didn't deserve to have peace with God. All we deserved was, if, if we were to get justice, would be death and separation from God because of our sin. And yet, by God's grace, we are saved. Ephesians chapter 2, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. I don't know whether you've ever been um, wronged or, or taken advantage of in your lifetime. I haven't really had anything, anything serious happen to me, but if someone was to steal all the money in my bank account, I'd be straight onto the phone to Westpac and I would want that person to be brought to justice. I want justice. That's, that's my money. And you demand justice, don't you? If someone killed a person, particularly if it was someone who you were close to, You'd want them to be brought to justice. I want justice. I demand justice. But when it comes time for us to be judged on different things, we always want lenient justice, lenient, lenient judgment. We're sometimes slow to demand justice for our own shortcomings, aren't we? And I'm going to say that we are as stubborn as the Israelites. I'm going to say, praise God that it is not because of my righteousness that I am saved. Praise God that it's not because of my righteousness because if it was, I wouldn't be here this morning. I wouldn't have any part in the kingdom of God. Can you say, praise God, that it's not not because of my righteousness that I am saved? It's totally and utterly undeserved. And therefore, we cannot say in our hearts what Moses tells the Israelites, again in verse 4 to 6. Do not say in your heart, after the Lord your God has thrust them out before you, it is because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. Whereas it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. Not because of your righteousness or the upright of your heart are you going in to possess this land, but because of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God is driving them out, driving them out before you. And that he may confirm the word that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. 
Know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. For you are a stubborn people. Know therefore that that is not because of your righteousness that you have peace with God. Do not say in your heart, I am entitled to this because of my righteousness. I am entitled to Jesus saving me and to continue to save me because of my righteousness, because I go to church on Sunday or I pray three times during the week. Can you hear the arrogance that is in there? There's no ounce of humility. I am entitled to this because... No, you're not entitled to it. And yet, by God's grace, we are saved. I'm not wanting to single anyone out this morning, but sometimes you hear people talking about um, Centrelink payments. And I'm, I'm not wanting to denigrate that at all because my family and I, we've received family payments and that sort of thing. But sometimes there's an attitude of, of entitlement to that sort of money. There's an entitlement that comes along with, I'm an Australian, so therefore I demand Centrelink money. No, no, you don't deserve it. It's because of the generosity of the the government and previous governments that have put things in place that enables us to have these payments and this this wonderful financial security that we have in this country. It's one of the things that makes this country so good. And so we cannot say in our hearts, it is because of my righteousness that I have peace with God. No. It is only through Jesus' righteousness and Jesus' sacrifice that we can have peace with God. It is only through the grace that God gives that we can have peace with God. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. You don't deserve to be saved. I don't deserve to be saved. And yet by God's grace we have been saved. Totally and utterly undeserved. This is both bad news and good news. The bad news is you don't deserve to be saved. The good news is through God's grace you can be saved and you are being saved. Completely and utterly undeserved. When it comes to forgiveness sometimes, we're, we're quick to accept it and yet sometimes slow to, to dish it out, aren't we? I want to challenge you this morning that there may be someone in your past that has, has caused you pain or hurt. 
It might be physical hurt. It might be emotional hurt. It might be financial hurt. Whatever the case may be, I want you to think of that person and to consider whether or not they are deserving of your forgiveness. They may have done something as serious as the drink driver in the opening story. They may have done something minor that they may not even realise they've hurt you. They may be here in this church this morning. They may be a thousand miles away. Do they deserve your forgiveness? Now consider whether or not they deserve God's forgiveness. If they have asked for God's forgiveness, by his grace, he has given it to them. So the same could be said of us. We are not deserving of God's forgiveness and yet by his grace he has given it to us. Why are we so slow and stubborn to forgive others sometimes? Particularly those that are close to us. Don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about unconditional forgiveness where someone can can just come back into your life time and time again and and hurt you over and over and over but I'm talking about the fact that we have been forgiven and so we should be able to forgive as well we're called to love in the same way that God has loved us At the end of the service this morning, if there's, if there's an opportunity for you to go to the person who has hurt you or to, to talk to them in some way, make a phone call. Do it. Do it. Do it in a loving way so that the healing process may start. But extend that forgiveness in the same way that you have been forgiven. This forgiveness that we have is completely undeserved and yet entirely accessible to everyone. Completely undeserved and yet accessible to everyone. Praise God for his glorious grace let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you this morning for the reminder that that we are completely undeserving of your your goodness to us we are completely undeserving of your favour in any way Lord I just pray that that we would be able to praise you because of your grace that we would be able to thank you because it is only through you that you have allowed us to come in to be a part of your kingdom. And Lord, I pray that there would be no time where we would say that we are entitled to your, your grace because of our righteousness. But Lord, we would be ever mindful of, 
of the fact that we are undeserving and yet you gave it to us. You made it accessible through Jesus Christ. And Lord, it's in his name that we pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but uh, Dale's message was pretty much my testimony. Um, There was a long time that I thought I was pretty good and God was lucky to have me. Um, And it was sometime in the last decade early uh, in my 30s um, that God spent a couple of years revealing to me that I wasn't as good as I thought I was. And they were tough couple of years, but what came out of it was an understanding of grace and that changed everything. So I just want to say to you, if you haven't grasped grace yet, Ask God to reveal it to you. It's not always the most pleasant experience to go 